Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Gibbs Spotlight. My name is Haley Sandell, and I am a visual communication intern here at the Gibbs College of Architecture. Today, we'll be talking with Daisy Munoz. She's going into her second year at the Regional City Planning Master's Program here at Gibbs. Hey, Daisy. Hi. <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yes. Um, well, I was uh, born in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I moved to the south side of Oklahoma City when I was only six years old. So I kind of grew up here in Oklahoma City. Um, and thanks to all the outreach from students at OU um, and also different programs, uh, I decided to attend OU, got my bachelor's in English writing. And now, like you said, I'm getting I'm working on my master's for regional city planning. Gotcha. Yes. So how, how did you go from writing to city planning? Yes. So um, I've always knew I wanted to get my master's because I wanted to continue uh, into higher education, uh, even maybe, you know, get my doctorate. But um, I was kind of really unsure of what to major in in my in my undergrad degree for my undergrad degree. And um, after a lot of consideration, uh, talking to mentors, um, I decided that it would be best to get my bachelor's in writing. And I always loved writing. I have so many journals, diaries since I was little, filled with pages of just writing my feelings, stories, and whatnot. So I was like, okay, yeah. I was like, you know, this is a perfect opportunity to kind of just, um, you know, kind of get a better, get better skilled at writing, um, you know, kind of professionally and whatnot and so I was like I'm gonna get my master's I already know I want to apply to a program so might as well work on this skill and so um of course for to be an English writing major you have to write a lot and so um I decided to major in English writing and then from there um I had a really good mentor Dr. Rios in the English program who connected me to Dr. Lee and then Dr. Lee connected me to the master's program in city planning gotcha yeah so it, it was a whole web <laughs> yes that's kind of how my educational career has been honestly and I could um, attribute that to um, trio which is like a program it's like a educational higher ed pipeline system that helps you from high school and kind of just if you keep up with it it will help you throughout your bachelor's and if you want to it'll help you get your master's and even your PhD so I started with Upward Bound in high school it was at OCCC and then they kind of just educate you over the different colleges different um, financial resources that you have scholarships different opportunities what different majors there is they connect you to mentors um, and it's really, really cool it is because not only do you get all this all these resources but you also get a stipend every month so oh nice you do all of this for your future and we'll reward you with like $40 a month. And so from there, um, I decided to go to OU because that's where I um, had the most outreach from, you know, the OU community. And um, I joined Project Threshold, which is like kind of the next step from Upward Bound. And then from there, they kind of, uh, Project Threshold at OU, they provide, you know, student services to uh, marginalized communities, you know, um, POC, um, non-traditional students, and um, they provide, you know, free tutoring, academic advise, advisors, they provide um, also just kind of like a 
warm environment to be at. And then from there, I connected to McNair, which is like, um, a, a, what is it, McNair? It's kind of like preps you for um, a graduate degree. So you have to pick a research program, you have to find a mentor, uh, you have to kind of develop your research project and then present it. And the second phase of that is applying to these PhD or master's programs, getting accepted and kind of just like the pipeline to like higher ed, which is what has honestly kept me moving throughout my educational career. That's really awesome, dude. Yeah. You, you've had quite the experience. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I'm pretty blessed um, with, all of the opportunities I have had in my life, and I can always attribute it to that to that program. There's always a saying like it's trio works, and honestly, anyone who has been in um, McNair Project Threshold and Upward Bound, like it does really work because you just build this connection between um, you know your your mentors, your advisors, and you know and the students, your colleagues, and um, it really does help you um, kind of, you know, open these doors to these opportunities that otherwise you wouldn't know are there. Yeah, absolutely. And it's all networking. So you're already building a foundational basis of people to kind of help you as you go through this. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. And, you know, the more people who joined Upward Bound and Project Threshold and McNair, like, the better because, um, you know, like networking is what will help us create community within each other in college and out of college once we're out in the real world in which will help us, you know, bring um, these communities up and kind of just create a better, you know, community for one another and for everyone else, not just people who are in these programs. Yeah, definitely. Yes. Uh, thank you for telling me about that. Yes, thank you. Um, so with regional city planning, what current projects are you working on? Yes. So um, I recently wrapped up the last project that I worked with my advisor and my professor that I um, work with, um, with Dr. Lee. Um, the last project that we worked on was um, discrimination um, towards, well, COVID-19 related discrimination. And um, what we did in that project is that we went through different city, states, health department websites, and we kind of, you know, look through the different links through the different pages and see if they kind of mentioned or had any statements that uh, went along with, um, you know, condemning, you know, uh, discrimination towards communities or any stigma that has um, came up with COVID-19. So it was really interesting going just through the different states, different cities, and see what states or cities or what governments had something to say about this, which one stepped up and kind of addressed this issue before, um, you know, it got bigger and or whatnot, you know, or as it continued. Yeah. So, um, it was really interesting to work with that while it kind of experiencing COVID at the same time. It kind of made me feel like, oh, you know, I'm doing something for the community, you know, like I'm helping, I guess, in some way, you know, kind of figure out and understand what, um, you know, a pandemic or a disease has a role in the community or what are the outcomes of that. So it's kind of really interesting to like work through that project and also um, collect the data for it. Well, and especially with pandemics, um, 
that's not really something that people think about initially the the stigma and the gap between the upper class middle class lower class like how people are handling it differently and how that's influenced at like a city-wide scale yeah for sure I mean I think everyone who is experiencing, like I said, high, low, middle class, it's definitely a different experience for everybody. Um, for some people, they they are lucky enough to be able to work from home. For other people, they're no longer to work. Um, they lost their jobs. For some people, they received, you know, a relief fund. For other people, they didn't. Um, some people are, you know, are facing hate crimes. Other people are not. Some other communities are facing are getting hit um, drastically by COVID and don't have the resources to, um, you know, get treated. And just very interesting to see all the different um, intersections within that COVID brought that highlighted like disparities between communities. So it has been very interesting for sure. Yeah. And this is an experience that hopefully comes around once in a lifetime. It's (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah, not something that you see every day. It's something you're you're making a difference on a really large scale right now. And that's really cool. Yeah, it is. It's also really kind of interesting working with this project because you're able to see how COVID highlighted these disparities that already existed. And this time is that they're just amplified more and people are doing more now for these disparities to kind of like um, to fix to fix them within the system, right? And so it's just kind of really nice to see that, not saying that COVID was something good to happen, but, you know, the response to COVID, I think, has been great. And even though there's a lot of work to be done, um, the, community, the, response, the community response to COVID was great, and there's a lot of work to be done, but um, I think people are now ready to, like, have these conversations and do more. About, yeah, yeah, definitely a wake-up call. Yeah, for sure. So what is a project that you've created or worked on at Gibbs uh, that you're most proud of? Well, a project that I worked on with the Gibbs College, one that I was really um, happy about was that we, um, for my GIS class, um, we had to pick a project and mine was basically looking at the, um, the lack of access to green spaces in the south side of Plumas City and how... Um, school closings kind of further perpetuated that lack of access. So within uh, the GIS, we were kind of able to create different maps. And then at the end of the semester, we put the maps together and we kind of highlighted um, the different components that, you know, lead to this lack of access to green space. So first um, I had two maps that kind of went over the socioeconomic background of the community and kind of just kind of prefaced, this is what, their background is, is their income or whatnot. Um, And then from there, um, I moved towards the lack of green space. So all the brownfields that are visible in that community and whatnot, and tied it into the, and tied it into how school closings have further um, kind of increased usable, like usable green space. So as, you know, schools close, sort of the properties around it, the playgrounds and whatnot, um, you can't enter, that's private property, you know you don't have access to that green space. So further, you know, furthermore, like these communities don't have uh, sidewalks, their roads are horrible, their infrastructure around them kind of prevents them from having access to the parks that do exist. And um, 
Yes. And then um, what I resulted with in this project was that by adding infrastructure and kind of, you know, taking back those closed down schools and creating something like a park where those schools existed would further help um, these communities have the green space that they need to, you know, for better health, um, better stress levels, for, you know, to create and foster a better community with one another and with one another. In one of the previous episodes, um, she discussed, like, uh, building food forests and, Mm -hmm. like, the importance of green space and, um, I guess, like, a productive area instead of just, like you were talking about, like, empty schools, empty playgrounds, something that can be done with that area. That's really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, those spaces are, they're so vital to the community, like schools are, and when they're shut down, like, that kind of just kills a community center right there. There's no life going on. It's just kind of, like, abandoned, and which kind of takes a lot out of the community, you know? And then uh, something can be done in where maybe the school's not be is not well-funded, and that's why they have to close it down. Something that doesn't uh, need that much funding, like a park or, like you said, what is it, a food what was it? Food forest. A food forest, yes. A food forest. Something that can still work for the community in that same area. Uh, yeah. Is very much needed still. And we've seen a lot of schools closing in Oklahoma recently with uh, the defunding of education, which is a whole, I could do a whole other podcast episode on that. But <laughs> so um, let's see. What is your favorite thing about the Gibbs College of Architecture? Um, my favorite thing about the Gibbs College is honestly, I really love the professors. I really love um, all the professors in the RCPL program. They're very attentive and they have a lot of patience. Well, with me specifically and with their students too, but um, they also offer a lot of support and knowledge. Um, they really do care about our education and not only what we're doing during the program, but what we'll be doing after. And they just do a really great job at um, connecting us with one another as students and with alumni who from the from the same program and with other people around the community. I remember we had, you know, in, in college, you don't have many field trips, but um, I was able to be part of this field trip with uh, the RCPL program and where they took us to different locations in Oklahoma City um, to kind of see the planning field there. We went to the Oklahoma City Planning Department. We went to the Neighborhood Alliance. We went to the LCDA, which is the Latino Community Agency in Oklahoma City. And um, we also visited, uh, we had a lunch. Uh, I forgot the name of it. I always forget the name. But it was kind of like, um, it was a closed down school and they kind of uh, reopened it, but they're using it now for affordable housing, which was That's nice. really cool. Yeah, it was really awesome. So I really, I really do love how much our professors do care about um, their students and the effort that they put in, into us. Yeah, definitely. It sounds like they give you as many resources as they absolutely possibly can within the few years that they have you there. Yeah, they do. They really do. They they try their best and they know that we're only there for a while. So they try to um, really give us their all in those two years. So when and why did you uh, first become interested in regional city planning? Yes. Um I first heard I first heard about city planning my senior year of high school. Um, I was in this program called 
youth leadership youth leadership exchange program and we had a oklahoma city planner come talk to us they kind of went down the 10-year comprehension plan over the city they explained you know this is how it's going to grow so we're planning for the city um i saw how my district was the last one to get developed and i genuinely had a question i wasn't really sure about all the um the planning field i wasn't really i really didn't know about the planning field then so then i asked why is my district the last you know one to get improved like i thought like our roads are horrible we have no sidewalks um they're improving downtown first which is already really nice you know and so when yeah. i asked that question um uh i think i kind of took her back and she responded you know in the, her best way so she said that you know they're um developing downtown first because that's how they're gonna uh attract tourists and that's how it's gonna bring money for the city and um I got flustered because everyone around me kind of laughed at my question. And then from there, I was like, why are you guys laughing at my question? It's like a genuine question, you know? Yeah. Then um, I kind of, I kind of, from, from then on, I was kind of able to notice the different, uh, the differences in each neighborhood in Oklahoma City in the areas. And so I always asked myself, you know, why is it that we have so many potholes in our streets? We lack, um, we lack, you know, infrastructure, our businesses are closed down, we have a lot of beat up houses and whatnot. And so that kind of just first opened my eyes to uh, that kind of burst the bubble, honestly, in my life. Um, then I was able to kind of like notice different disparities in my life and my community with others. And then from there, um, you know, I got my bachelor's in English writing. I um, was working with Dr. Rios in the English department and alongside Dr. Lee in a different project. Um, and from there, they kind of just presented city planning to me. And um, I did more research. I looked into it. I talked to Dr. Lee a little bit more. I I learned that you can do a lot of social justice change within city planning. And you kind of implement these changes that I saw that I wanted to see when I was a senior in high school, you know. So, um, you know, kind of, you know, putting um, more investment into our small businesses, um, creating more community development within our own districts, um, working with affordable housing. And there's so many different areas that you can work in as a city planner that um, I really thought, like, this is a perfect way to, you know, to give back to my community. It's my yeah, definitely. Planner. And um and that's when they sold me, you know, it was like, I wanted, I've always wanted to do, um, you know, social justice work and get back to my community. And by becoming a planner, um, it's one of the best ways to, you know, to be able to do that. I think this is one of my favorite answers to this question that I've heard so far. Like, <laughs> I think it's really awesome that, like, as a senior in high school, you knew that you wanted to make a difference. And here you are, actually doing that you you are your own superhero that's really really awesome that's so sweet thank you I mean I still feel like I have so much to learn because I do think that I'm fairly new to city planning because I only started learning everything that comes with city planning um in my first year but like I said I have great people behind me like Dr. Lee um Dr. Warnkin Dr. Weeders and the whole city planning um program the uh, professors behind me and kind of 
always encouraging me to not be afraid to not know everything right now, but just, you know, to try my best and to and to do it because, you know, I, I genuinely do care about um, the work that I do and with the with the communities that I want to work with. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's really, really awesome that you are setting out to make a difference and you're going to do that. And like, no matter what, that's really, really awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. So what advice would you give prospective students uh, of the RCP program? And what tips would you share for their success? Yes. Uh, don't be afraid. Um, I think any master's program, especially if you're coming right out of your undergraduate degree, can be intimidating. But um, don't be afraid, you know. Apply for the program. Um you know, go through it. Um, don't be afraid to reach out to your professors. Um, luck- luckily, I have been, I have built really great relationships with my professors, and uh, they have helped me throughout my coursework, um, internship opportunities, connecting me to different people who help who can help me in my career. Um, that's something that a lot of people are scared to do is kind of you know talking to your professors. Um, they're people too, you know. They understand everything that probably everything that you're going through as a graduate student they went through in their PhDs so um I give that's probably my main advice is don't be afraid to talk to your professors um let them know when you're having hardships let them know when you need help um with schoolwork internship wise um I think that's one of the things I really cherish about this program is um my mentor Dr. Lee um and what tips I would share for success is, um, you know, don't be afraid um, to speak your own opinion out in class um, or your thought. Um, sometimes it can be intimidating because you probably think you don't know um, as much as your other classmates. But um, at the end of the day, um, if you're trying your best and you're coming from a good place and you have your own individual perspective and experience, I think that not only helps you as a student and as a future uh, professional to kind of speak from your own perspective, but it also helps those around you learn from you. And that is something that we're all there to do, learn from each other, learn from our professors and, you know, work towards, you know, uh, a better world, you know, because that's how we can build these uh, better worlds is by understanding each other's perspectives and, um, you know, creating those relationships. Well, and it just comes back to, you're not in this alone. And especially at Gibbs, the professors are there to help you every step of the way. Yes, they they honestly are. Um, They are. I see um, professors reaching out to, um, alumni from the RCPL program and the alumni are very 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 kind and they're willing to help you um I actually have a meeting with an alumni from the program next week and they're going to help me um figure some stuff out <laughs> and that's awesome yeah I appreciate that because it's really that networking and not being afraid to ask people questions and not feeling like you not feeling dumb or not feeling like you don't know enough because no one can know everything and just you know the more people you talk to, the more knowledge you get, um, the better prepared you are for these different roles that you will be taking uh, in your future career. Because 
as a city planner, you will be in charge of, you know, changing things structurally and that's going to affect people's lives and it could be good, it could be bad, but, you know, the more knowledge you get, um, you know, the better prepared you are to take on these responsibilities. That's a fantastic answer. If I was a prospective student, I would feel very prepared. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Yes, I walked in not knowing much, but um, after this year, I'm really glad that I had that um, kind of courage to do so, you know? Definitely. Yeah. And here you are in your second year of your master's. Yes, ma'am. Yes, I am. (laughs) Well, I think that's about all I have for you today. Thank you for talking with us, Daisy. Thanks again for listening to the Gibbs Spotlight. Tune in next time to hear more stories from the Gibbs College of Architecture.